I didn't address all in purple today, forgetting this is where I was coming. That's so, good. hope they don't mind. Uh, hey, hello, welcome everyone uh, to another edition of Tomorrow's World Now. In fact, it is the 20th episode. So, congratulations to all of us. Uh, to those of you in the control room, even Star Wars has only gotten seven episodes out. So, we're beating. We're currently beating Star Wars. Uh, welcome to my guest this particular time around. Uh, on my far left, we have Mr. Wyatt Soselka. He's the director of Internet for the Living Church of God. Between the two of us is Dr. Scott Winnale, uh, professor of Living University. Me, I'm Wallace Smith. You may know me from the Tomorrow's World telecast and maybe nothing else at all. Uh, we are also ministers and pastors with the Living Church of God, and it's our pleasure to be here with you today. Before we get into too much, I do wanna say please send us your questions. Uh, we have our delightful crew in our control room, handsome young men all, uh, who are gonna be uh, compiling all of those for us. We're kinda too busy here to really watch the stream really well. But towards the end, we do hope to have an opportunity to simply address your questions. Uh, they're going to go through and they're going to send some of those questions to us towards the end of the program. And we're looking forward to that. We really do want to answer your questions and see what you have to say. Our topic today is science -y. I'm quite excited about it. We're here about a news prophecy in your life, and people have big questions, and we have answers to those, at least the answers that are important. Uh, we'll get to some of that as we get into today's material. All right, the very first topic we're going to bring up, gentlemen, is the upcoming solar eclipse. Uh, personally, I'm very excited about it. I haven't seen a lot of solar eclipses in my own life, but this one is crossing over the uh, United States in a serious way. They're talking, if you're going to see the solar eclipse yourself, make sure you get special little glasses. We don't want anybody to get harmed, but it's coming up in August. Anybody know the date? I actually don't have the date memorized. Is it the 28th? Uh, I wasn't expecting that question. It's, it's a Monday. It's, 21st, it's a Monday. Is it the 21st? I'm sure it's a Monday. You know, don't count on us <laughs> to give you the actual, they're telling us the 21st, Look at the guys in the control room. Yeah. So, Dr. Scott Winnell, you win the first point for right. today's, uh, today's episode. Uh, there'll be a bonus round later. So, the 21st uh, eclipse is coming. Any thoughts on that? Because people do get a bit uh, hooky, kind of a technical term. They get a bit hooky about eclipses and prophecy, and prophecy in the Bible is our business. Any thoughts from you gentlemen? Well, from an end-time prophecy perspective, if you're reading the Bible, you're definitely going to see uh, and read about in Joel and in the Gospels and Revelation events happening in the sun and the moon and the stars. And I think there's a definite uh, tendency, maybe almost even a yearning for mm, humanity right. to, to look at events like this and to think, wow, this could is this the one? This could be the one right. that really triggers something great either on the world scene or in Jesus Christ's return. Right. Yeah, it spurs hopes in us. We, we, want, we want these things to be the things, right? You, you see something phenomenal, think, oh, maybe that's the one. And uh, yeah, you can't help but get excited, but we do need to balance perspective. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And I, you know, I would add uh, in uh, Mark 8, I think the Pharisees, Jesus kind of reprimanded them and said, you know, you guys are seeking a sign. And they were sort of missing the important point, which was his message and change right. and really looking to Scripture and understanding it. The Pharisees thought they looked at Scripture, but they didn't truly fear what Scripture uh, told them, because if right. they had, they would have uh, acknowledged that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and so forth. So it is natural, I think, for us to seek um, signs. Right. But, you know, really, what did Jesus Christ say in, in Matthew 16? He said, look, the, the, the big sign the, that you're going to get about me is that I, I'll be in the, the tomb for three days and three nights, and then I'll, I'll be resurrected. Right. And I think we can look for these uh, easy, you know, outs. Uh, oh, there's an eclipse, there's a, an earthquake. Uh, in Revelation, it talks about these things happening at the end of the age, but this solar eclipse on, did we decide it was the 21st? I think, I think we did. Yes, um, we got approval from the boys in the control thank room. Thank you, control room. You know, that's, that's not one of the, the signs that's talked about in Revelation or in Matthew 24 about the actual end time. It's, right. it's not one of those signs. There will be earthquakes and uh, you know, cosmic disturbances at that point. But um, yeah, I agree. It can, it can kind of take our mind off of what's important. Yeah, I was just going to say, reiterating sort of what you were talking about, Christ did say to watch, didn't he? He said, watch for these things, Matthew 24, Mark 13, <coughs> Luke 21. Mm -hmm. There will be signs that mm -hmm. precede his coming, and those signs will include wars and rumors of wars. They'll include ethnos or ethnic group against ethnic group. Um, there will be signs in the sea. There will be signs in the heavens. Um, and he said to watch, Matthew 25, multiple times, watch for these things. Yet 
we've got to know what we're watching for and we've got to know sort of the sequence of events. Uh, Revelation chapter 6, and if, if, if you don't have it, you really need a copy of this booklet, Revelation the Mystery Unveiled, because it helps lay out a bit of a timeline. And there are certain signs in the heavens that we will see. Jesus Christ predicted them, but they cannot happen until a certain point in Bible prophecy. Right. So uh, two weeks from now is, is not that point in Bible prophecy. And, if I, and let, me, let me add one more thing. It's sure. easy for us as, as preachers to preach, and I know we have a, a big... Uh, a big program today, so I don't want right. to slow you down, Mr. Smith, in, in uh, guiding us through the topics. But what was really one of the first big signs that Jesus Christ does say to look for? It's false religion, false, you know, false teaching. So um, as, as Dr. Scott was mentioning and as you were mentioning, yeah, we, we need to be aware of, um, of, of big signs to look for. Look for. Uh, ethnos against ethnos, we talked about that in a previous right. t uh, TW Now program. But um, we're also going to see a lot of just false religion. And, and you know, sadly, some people will take these uh, cosmic uh, signs, like the, like the eclipse is coming up, which I'm excited about. My family's yeah. planning on trying to see it and do get the, the, the glasses that are certified to protect you from the, the sun. You don't want right. to injure your eyes. But some people will, you know, sadly kind of uh, abuse that and say, well, that's a sign that Christ is going to return tomorrow or next week. And it's not. This, this, this eclipse on the 21st is not a sign that Christ is going to return in August or something. It's just not. So you have the official word. Mr. Wiseselka has said Christ is not going to return that particular week. So. I can pretty much guarantee. I can guarantee we're, he we're will not return. We're putting money on that. Boom. That's, that's right. That's the way it is. And if he, you know, if he does, we won't, we won't collect. No, he's not. <laughs> we actually have another uh, booklet, if you might be interested in a lot. We have a booklet, uh, 14 Signs Announcing Christ's Return. I wish I thought to, to bring it because I love pitching booklets. I do it for a living. And uh, it lays out very specific things. And, you know, the heavens might be involved, but part of the temptation of that is that it's easy. You know, it's easy to look in the sky and say, oh, you know, look, the sun, you know, it's going, going dark. When really the Bible is, uh, is rich with all sorts of discussion about the end time events and what's going to happen. And uh, if it spurs any interest, I would say don't, don't fall for things people will say, but dive into the book and actually get some of the, get some of the details. Go to uh, tomorrowsworld.org. You can find actually a whole bunch. But let me actually transition. If you wouldn't mind, actually, uh, there in the control room, we, uh, we found a NASA map that shows the, the places on the earth where the eclipse actually is a... Uh, it's actually it just crawls right across the United States in this neat little curve. Uh, hopefully, they can find that in there and, and show it to folks. If that was one of the uh, one of the ones that y'all had pulled up, if you don't, that's that's fine too. Uh, but hey, oh, it's up! I, it should be there. Hopefully, you're able to see it. So it kind of snakes its way across the United States, not in a straight line or in a simple curve, but actually this sort of kind of sinusoidal. I like using that word a lot. I'm an old math guy, but it does. I want to use that to transition actually to our next topic, which is the, the concept of a flat earth. Uh, the idea that the earth is not a round ball, but is actually some sort of flat disk or even infinite plane is sort of making the rounds and, and oddly enough, making headlines. Now, I bring it up because the shape the sun is going across the United States is a difficult thing to explain under the idea that the earth is flat and some of those theories, but it's a very simple thing to explain with a spherical earth. It's what you would expect. Uh, news items, just to grab a few, for instance, the Washington Post back on July 21st. Uh, headline, Neil deGrasse Tyson blames U.S. schools for flat earthers and teachers aren't amused. Uh, there was another Washington Post article July 28th, just about a week later. Says uh, uh, Kyrie Irving's flat earth beliefs now the bane of middle school teachers. Yeah, middle school teachers sort of wrestling with their kids about this idea that the earth is actually flat instead of round because this basketball player apparently... Uh, I hope he's a basketball player. I am terrible. Oh, good. I'm getting confirmation from real men in the control room uh, talking about the earth possibly being flat. And so you have these kids who will take the word, say, of the basketball player. Why not? Of course. Uh, over the things that they have been taught. And Neil deGrasse Tyson blaming our schools for that. I think that's a fascinating uh, thing to read about. Before I say much more, let me turn to actually our panelists. Have y'all heard any of the scuttlebutt about this in terms of the earth, you know, some people thinking it's flat and that somehow the idea that it's round is just a complete uh, fabrication? Uh, what, what are your thoughts? You know, we were uh, chatting a little bit about this earlier, and I think that I can be sympathetic. I think a lot of us can be sympathetic uh, to those out there in the world who who have perceived 
that, you know, sometimes the government doesn't always tell us the whole story. And, um, what? And, what? Well, are I, you, I know are you Mr. Kidding, Smith, Mr. Uh, I, 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 you oh. know, mark this on your calendar today, Mr. Smith, uh, learn the government's not always completely honest. Um, but no, you know, sometimes um, the government, whether it's the United States, and there have been much worse governments than ours. I'm very thankful for the United States government. I mean, if, if you had lived in 1930s you know, Russia, uh, boy, that's that's a scary world to live in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, there are those who, who who've understood that the government's not always telling the whole story, but the, the the truth of the matter is, those people who believe that the Earth is flat, the Bible doesn't make that argument, and I think that's what I wanted to say as a minister. Right. Okay. So, I think it's people, important what you're saying because right, some people say the Bible says that it's flat, and that's part of what makes the idea tempting. Is that yeah? Is that what you're and, saying? And, and and so I know we'll probably talk about some of the different. Um, arguments, and right. we should, you know, some of the different arguments as to why the earth is not flat. You know, mm. there, there are certain, um, we'll give instances, uh, you know, I'll, I'll mention one, just ships sailing out over the horizon. When a ship sails out over the horizon, you see the ship begin to disappear over the horizon. I've seen this. <clears throat> you don't have to go up into a rocket or you know, a hot air balloon or, or, or anything, or an airplane to see the curvature of the earth. You can watch a ship go over the horizon of a large lake or the ocean, and you can see the bottom of the ship start to disappear behind the curve of the, the sphere, the earth. Mm. So, you know, we can talk about that, <clears throat> um, and, and we should. But the point I wanted to make, again, as a minister, because where's my expertise? I'm not a physicist. I'm not an astronomer. Um, but the Bible does not argue that the earth is flat. Right. It just doesn't make that argument. And I say that in love, you know, towards those people who, who feel that they're somehow uh, make, put, making their uh, position or founding their position on, on, the, on Scripture, but the Bible doesn't say the earth is flat. Right, right. Uh, no, I was going to say, you can, you can pull certain words out of certain Scriptures, and you can use them to suggest the earth is flat, but some of those same words you can turn another way and suggest the earth is spherical. And uh, these are some scriptures in, in Job, I think, um, that talk, Isaiah, Isaiah and Proverbs, both. Mm -hmm. both. Both the words in Isaiah 40, verses 21 and 22, and Proverbs 8, 27, you can actually take that word and, and look at it in two different ways. You pull out a concordance, pull out a lexicon, and that's what you're going to be able to do. where it talks about the circle of the earth. Is that the one you're referring to? Right, mm -hmm. because the, the word circle there... Uh, you have those who believe in a flat earth who will say, well, it means see, clearly it's a flat circle. A circle's not round, it's flat. Mm -hmm. Those say, well, no, the word actually can refer to a sphere as well, even in uh, uh, modern Hebrew, et cetera. That word's often used in such a way. Uh, often what you have is people who kind of already have a belief that are just looking for scriptures to kind of justify that as opposed to being open to what the Bible actually says itself. Uh, like when God says that he, you know, he holds the waters in the palm of his hand, doesn't mean God has a big giant hand uh, that actually holds the water of the earth. We actually, I think all three of us would agree, people don't take the Bible literally enough, right? I mean, that's part of, that's part of our stock and trade is that we actually dare to believe what the Bible says. But that says it doesn't mean the Bible doesn't also use poetic language, and it does so actually very, very beautifully. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking about <clears throat> taking the Bible literally, um, you mentioned that God talks about holding the waters in His hand, and, mm -hmm. and that's 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 imagery, that's a metaphor. But Jesus Christ kept the Sabbath Saturday. He literally did, and the apostles did. So I've had conversations with people who really sincerely believe in a flat earth uh, because of maybe I, uh, just some, you know, that the earth is God's footstool. And they'll say, well, a, a footstool is, is flat. Um, well, if you're going to take that literally, then are we arguing that the earth also has four little legs, you know, because a footstool has four little legs. And they're not, they, they don't believe that. Um, but if you're going to take the Bible and take Scripture literally, then what about the Sabbath, for example? You know, Jesus Christ and the apostles and the early church kept the Sabbath. I'm not right. trying to steer the conversation into no, a no, Sabbath I conversation. No, no, that's a good point. We have to be careful about picking and choosing, you know, one verse here or there. And not to go into the science too much. I actually did do a little bit of research and dusted off some of my old science notes, and I, <laughs> I look forward to a couple of questions later. I'm going to try to remember some of my, my little astronomy, you know, lessons. But... Um, uh, you know, it, 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 I, I was mentioning earlier Felix Baumgartner or mm -hmm. Baumgarten, the, the Red Bull guy who jumped out of the, the, the hot air or the, right. the, the, the balloon, mm -hmm. remember? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if, if Felix went up and Red Bull discovered the earth was flat, 
they wouldn't have kept that secret. I mean, there's been too many airplanes and people in airplanes and so forth uh, that have gone up and they've seen the curvature of the earth. And um, there's no scriptural reason to need to believe the earth is flat. It violates science. You were mentioning, and maybe you can comment more, uh, about the eclipse. Just the path of the eclipse right. argues, I'll let, you, actually, I'll let you make that point, but um, there's too much science that, that, that demands the earth to be round. When you look at a solar eclipse and you see the shadow of the earth on the moon, mm-hmm. then you, you see a curve of the earth's shadow on the moon. Right. Now, that's actually a good example because I, I have looked into this a lot. I don't want any of our viewers to, to think that we're just dismissing something, you know, we haven't looked into. And I've seen people talk about, try, those who believe in a flat earth trying to explain, well, what you're seeing on, on, the, on the moon, some of them at least, say, well, it's not the shadow of the earth. There's some mysterious other object. They kind of add another, you know, kind of another layer of complexity to the model to make it all work. And that's part of what concerns me about it, because I, because I do love science. I've done a lot of uh, individual webcasts on science. I've written about science. I write for the Tomorrow's World magazine about, about science. And... It's, it's a very, I've never seen a model of a flat earth that actually makes sense and answers all the questions thoroughly well versus the simple, mostly spherical earth answers so many simply. Just give one example. There's something called the, uh, the oh boy, I'll try to say it right, the Utvus effect. I will spell it for you. Utvus. Uh, anyway, it's like E-O with an umlaut, T-V-O with an umlaut and an S. And it's a phenomenon that has been measured, and, and there's a formula that tells you if you're traveling on a ship west to east, your cargo will, will actually uh, weigh somewhat less versus the same cargo on a ship traveling east to west weighs a little bit more. Why? Because you're either going with the spin of the earth or against the spin of the earth. It varies based upon latitude, and, and, and that is perfectly predictable by a spherical earth. It's not predictable by any other model I have ever seen. I've even seen blogs or, or forums where those believe on flat Earth are saying, well, how do we explain the, the Utvus effect? And they haven't come up with an explanation yet. And yet, a spherical Earth explains that super simply. You know, it's actually, it should be taken as a given, you know, for a spherical Earth. But one thing you said, Mr. Suck, I want to bring out to both of you to see what you think. You talked about how, man, anyone who saw it, they're up there with the Red Bull guy and saw the Earth was flat, they'd go, Man, I want to tell everybody, you know, I mean, no, were all these people keeping a secret? Have you ever thought about how vast the conspiracy has to be? How vast? I mean, explore with me for a bit. What do you guys, who, who would actually have to be keeping this as, as a lie? I would have know? to be because I've been on airplanes and, I, and I've looked out over the, out my window. So you're, you're part of the conspiracy. I'm part, I guess I'm part of the conspiracy. You know, how many hundreds of thousands of people fly in airplanes and you see the curve, uh, you see the curve of the horizon. And it's not realistic to say that, um, that uh, you know, everybody's conspiring. It's also not realistic to say that, you know, we all just happen to be up in airplanes in the center of a, of a disc. You know, we're all, we're all like there's a disc and we're all in the center, so we're all looking out and, and the horizon is curved. You know, if we're all flying around the earth in, in airplanes, if you take that disc theory that some people have, if you were over there on that side of the disc, then the curve would not be... Um, what's the word? It wouldn't be equal. You, you know, the, the mm-hmm. curve wouldn't be an equal curve where you're in the epicenter. You would uh, have a, an elongated curve because you'd be close to the edge of one of the, of, of the, of the, of the disc. Right. So you would have a massive conspiracy, and I think it takes our mind off of, frankly, more important things. If we spend a lot of time uh, trying to prove that, uh, really, people end up sometimes speaking evil of authority, which Scripture tells us not to do, and I'm not saying all of the authority and all the government is is perfect. They're right. not. It's important to know when Paul said some of those things, he was under the Roman authority. Exactly. And they were so jerks, you, you uh, end dangerous, up, deadly jerks. Well, and yeah, and then you end up getting into arguments, and, and, and it's over really nothing. The, the Scripture does not tell us we have to believe in a flat earth, and it just also violates a lot of basic science and observation. You know, it's, it's interesting because, as you've been alluding to, both of you, the flat earth concept makes the assumption that uh, there's a conspiracy covering up this reality. Um, Mr. Smith, as you sort of alluded to as well, it's, it's more than just the photographs that NASA has doctored up, apparently, photographs of the Earth from outer space, for example. You actually have got a bigger conspiracy with the physicists and mathematicians because these 
theorems work. These right. theorems that relate to gravity and, and, and flat earthers will say that gravity doesn't exist as we know it. Otherwise, it would fold this disk of the earth around. They say it doesn't exist, yet the physics work because gravity does exist and it is a constant. Uh, we can come back to the idea of the eclipse that's coming up. It's, it's an eclipse about a hundred years ago that helped scientists validate Einstein's general theory of relativity. Um, the idea that uh, something with a lot of mass and gravity, like the sun, can actually bend light. You can actually see stars that are behind the sun, which you shouldn't be able to see because the sun's in the way. But when you have that eclipse and you can see just the corona, you are able to see those stars behind it. It validated Einstein's theory of general relativity, which speaks to the power of gravity. Right, and right. so you, you wind up in big trouble if you're going to follow the idea of a flat earth because you've got to begin to explain a whole lot of other factors right. which are unexplainable. Right. You know, uh, we're not going to take the time to try to scientifically prove, you know, something here. We're going to stick with our expertise. I, I want to say personally, and, and I know I can speak for those men because we've talked about it. I know I've looked into things, and I, I feel beyond the shadow of a doubt we do live on around Earth. My concern, I appreciate the way you brought those things up, is when you really think about how vast the ha conspiracy has to be and how many people, I mean, just one reporter discovering that the Earth is actually flat and not round it would make their careers for all eternity. There's no government on earth that could say, look, we're gonna hire assassins to kill you and prevent this news from getting out. How many reporters would say, I don't care, I'd die a hero, you bet, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the guy. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of ideas, whether we landed on the moon or not, all these other ideas out there, these conspiracy theories, I don't think people often think enough of just how vast the conspiracy would have to be and then take a look at what Paul says to the Corinthians about how love uh, doesn't assume wrong. You know, love actually gives a certain benefit of a doubt to his neighbor, unless there's just vast reasons not to do so. But I do want to actually move on to some other ideas. We've, we've spent a lot of time on this, I think more than we all actually <laughs> planned on spending, uh, to the idea of how old the earth is. We do have some materials on this. There are a lot of folks out there uh, who believe the earth is only, say, 6,000 years old. Sometimes they vary six, ten thousand 10,000 years. There actually was something in the news that I did think was interesting that our researchers were able to find for us. Uh, July 3rd, on July 3rd, was this article in Forbes talking about how a young earth creationist sued the Grand Canyon over religious discrimination and won. It's kind of an odd title. You don't sue a canyon. You don't sue Mount Everest, but still sued those who are responsible for taking care of the Grand Canyon. If you actually read the story, he wanted to do some sort of core sampling and some other things, and they didn't want to let him do that. Clearly, he's trying to do research to, to demonstrate his idea uh, that the Grand Canyon is actually a within, uh, something formed within the last 6,000 years. And he sued and was apparently, the courts decided that it was against, they were just persecuting him for his religious beliefs. Um, I do find it interesting at the end that the scientist who wrote this particular article, who himself is a, a, a geologist apparently, uh, what he said was, despite Dr. Snelling, who's the young earth creationist doctor, never revealing to the public his research proposal and motivation to sample the Grand Canyon, it's clear he'll be trying to debunk the, debunk the fundamentals of geology. Uh, he goes on, Dr. Snelling has every right to practice his own religious belief. However, when those beliefs are guised as a pseudoscience, one must see the research for what it is, a desecration to science itself. Very strong words, actually treating science a bit like a religion. You talk, talk about desecration and such. Uh, any thoughts about this, about the age of the earth and guys like Dr. Snelling, as well as the response illustrated by this person? I think it's interesting because it's, it's the reactionary, uh, knee-jerk kind of thing from the scientific community that puts science sometimes in this negative light. Right, it's kind of defensive position, right? Why don't they welcome people looking into this and proving themselves wrong right. versus saying, oh, we're not going to let it happen. So it really, it can put people who are questioning on the defensive and say, well, how legitimate is, is science right. if they're not even letting science happen? Right, right. Uh, you know, we're, I think we, uh, in the church, the church of God, we want to understand the truth. We want to know the right. truth. We look at scripture, and uh, we, we study scripture diligently, we, and we're not afraid of science. We, we enjoy science, and we, we are not scientists. Well, there are some who are scientists, but I'm not a scientist. But we want to know the truth, and, 
when you when you when you look at some of the um, ways to measure, for example, the age of the Earth, right? You you just end up with a much uh, an Earth that's much older than six thousand years. And I'll give you just one example, which is ice core samples. Um, ice core samples are are very reliable. You have uh, you have uh, you know summer winter summer winter, and you have uh, snow and and uh, you have snowpack and you have these layers of of ice. That's sort of like a tree ring type thing. You can look at the tree rings and you can say you can see that there was a lot of rain, so the tree ring is you know thick and robust, or there wasn't much rain that year and the tree ring is thin. And so there are these there are these ice layers in Greenland and and Antarctica and the Arctic. And um, uh, it, what really makes this inarguable is when you have occasional volcanoes. Now, volcanoes uh, distribute ash and dirt and minerals around throughout the atmosphere, mm -hmm. and there's very unique signatures that volcanoes have. You, you can't fake this. You can't uh, go back uh, 100,000 layers uh, deep in right. Greenland, uh, or 740,000 layers. They, they've, they've gone back 740,000 layers in, uh, in, 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 uh, the Antar in Antarctica. And you've got layers of snowpack, and you have occasional um, uh, sediments from volcanoes. <clears throat> now, the minerals and the composition of those minerals, maybe it's back 212,000 years, it will match the mineral deposits somewhere else that they'll drill. You know, I mean, hundreds of miles or thousands of miles away. Uh, how is it that, that, that those layers are laid down? How is it that the volcanic eruption deposited? And, you know, so some people will say, um, well, you know, the flood. The flood just took everything and it just tumbled it all around and it all got messed up and that's the answer to, you know, th th that's the, the answer to any of these types of questions. Uh, the, the flood is not going to lay down 150,000 or, or 600,000 layers of ice, uh, of ice pack. Right. So I, I, I'm not going to, um, I don't think any of us, you know, want to get deep, deep, deep into the science and argue that the earth is exactly this old and talk about, you know, potassium 40 uh, dating or whatever, we'll probably touch on some things. But 6,000 years is just not what the Bible argues, but there's just too many major, you know, measuring methodologies that go back way beyond 6,000 years. No, I think that's an excellent point. Because I write articles on this, well, maybe I'd like to refer to this one, refer our viewers to it for more details. Uh, actually, I'll go ahead and do it now to get it over with. Uh, it's a Tomorrow's World article. The year was 2013. I wrote it, so just keep that in mind. Is that the plus or minus? But the title was How Old Is the Earth? You can actually go on our website at tomorrowsworld.org and go to the search bar and type in How Old Is the Earth? Uh, for the website on the regular computer, you can go to the top right. If you have your phone, just thumb down. It's at the bottom. But we talk a little bit about those details in that. But in particular, focusing on the religious aspects of the question, many people believe the earth is young just because they believe the Bible requires that, that the Bible requires a young earth. Now, hopefully we'll have time to get to it. I haven't managed the time earlier in the program to get to it, but mankind was clearly created 6,000 years. The Bible's plain about that. But the earth itself, does the earth require, sorry, does the Bible require the earth, the earth and the cosmos around it all to just be 6,000 years old, gentlemen? Well, I think that's, that's an important question to ask <clears throat> because I think most people who would profess a, a young earth, uh, only six to 10,000 years old, the universe only being about that old, most, most people who would profess that really are, I think, trying to stick to the Bible. They're, they're trying to be authentic and, and accurate with the Bible. At the same time, those same individuals would argue that God really has been around forever. He's, he's the ever-existent one. He's the ancient of days. The, the word Yahweh, uh, Y-H-W-H in, in the Hebrew, uh, means the eternal, mm. the one who always was, who is, and who always will be. And so you've got God the Father, you've got Christ at his right hand, or the Word before he came in the flesh, sitting on his throne at the center of the universe for eternity, and then in a cosmic instant, 6,000, 10,000 years ago, he decided, oh, I'm going to do something. Um, why did he sit around for eternity doing, what did he do before he created the universe and the earth? Hmm. Doesn't it make a little more sense to say, well, maybe he actually created it a while further back? And uh, Mr. Seselka actually has an article 
uh, based on that that talks about what some would call the gap theory between Genesis 1 verse 1 and 1 verse 2, but the idea that God created the whole earth perfectly to begin with and it fell into disrepair. And then he recreated uh, starting in verse 2. I think, you know, probably all of us want to make this point. It might be worth making a couple times, so allow me to superficially make yeah. the point, the, the, the Genesis mm -hmm. 1, 1, 1, 2 point, and we may, it may be worth repeating mm -hmm. a couple times. Um, you know, John um, 10.35 tells us that Scripture cannot be broken. Right. I believe it's John 10.35. And uh, we believe that. We believe that the Bible in its original record uh, is infallible and, and is, is accurate. Now, in Genesis 1, verse 2, we read that the earth, uh, I'm not going to turn to it, we all know it, but uh, it became without form and void. Now, most of the English translations will, will say um, was without form and void, but, but uh, the, the Hebrew word haya, it can be, and you've written on this, and I've written on it, and we've given sermons, but it became without form and void. Now, what I would ask the audience to consider is when you go through the creation account and God says, I created this and it was good, and I created this and it was good, and I created this and it was good, very good, and this was good. Uh -huh. God's nature is not to create things that are junky and messed up and without form and void, that are tohu and bohu, that are, that are problematic. And I've uh, written papers on it, I've read lengthy papers, and I'll tell our audience, and this is something that I think our audience can, can really feel confident about. I, I'd like our audience to, to, um, to really take this to heart when I'm getting ready to tell them. You do not have to be a Hebrew scholar. You do not have to look at the, the ancient Hebrew on this and, and, and argue about the word haya, became and was. It, it can mean became, it can mean was. Let's just, it's just, you know, it's not even worth arguing about. But when, if, if scripture cannot be broken, you have a real problem because in Isaiah 45, 18, uh, it says very clearly that God did not create the heavens in Tohu. He did not create the heavens and earth in Tohu. Now, if God says in, Genesis, in Isaiah 45, 18, he says, look, I did not create the heavens and the earth, tow you. I didn't do it. Meaning, it's that word. chaos. Chaos. I did not create it in chaos, tow you. Um, then, then clearly it became, in Genesis 1-2, it became that way. And so we'll refer to that as the gap. There's a gap in time between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Some people will mock that on the internet, and they'll say, oh, it's just a little you know, excuse that these mm -hmm. conservative Christians will use to get out of things. Um, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what the Hebrew shows, and that's what precept upon precept shows. When you, when you look at the Bible and you mm -hmm. fear it, and I would ask our audience, do you, know, do you fear the Word of God in the right way? Do you believe that the Bible is God's Word? Because if it is, again, there's a number of scriptures that Job talks about the, uh, the angels rejoicing when God laid the foundation of the earth. There's many scriptures we can go to that, that make it very clear that God was around forever, that he created the angelic host a super long time ago, mm -hmm. and that then the stars were created and the heavens were created. And that's all before Genesis 1 verse 2. That's before this gap in time. And uh, the earth became without form and void. So that's where you have the beginning of the creation week, which is another, I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it to a close, <laughs> but that's another wonderful conversation. You know? right. and, and it answers a lot of questions. If you understand why it's said about God creating the, the stars and the heavens, so it, it also helps you understand the creation week. It really does. You know, it's in, oops, let me mute my, I'm one of the ones making noises with my contraptions <laughs> on here. Uh, I appreciate you talking about you don't have to be Hebrew scholars and stuff to look these things up. One of the things that, that helped me to understand when you look at, he mentioned the words tohu and bohu. Those are just Hebrew words for, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 where it says that in the beginning uh, how the earth was uh, without form and void. It's the Hebrew words that are often translated that way in, in the New King James and other places. But tohu and bohu, it means like this chaotic ruin, this kind of terrible wasteland. And if you look at other places in Scripture, because that's one of our themes, and we encourage all of our viewers to do this, and, and we practice this. When you try to understand the Bible, look at everything else the Bible has to say about something. Try to build precept upon precept, like it says in Isaiah 28 that Mr. Sasselko just talked about. And if you look at all the other places in the Bible where those words are used to describe the condition of the earth, this kind of Hebrew tohu and bohu, this sort of chaos, it's always as a result of sin and the destruction caused by sin and all the rest. Uh, there's... Uh, a lot of good argument there that really the earth didn't start in that state. We'd really refer you to our, our literature. Please do check out those articles like the age of the earth, et cetera, to go into a lot more detail. But 
if you look at the Bible, it talks about a lot of things that have to happen first. I mean, when you meet the devil in Genesis 3, he's already the devil. He's a bad guy, right? He's already, uh, ah, forgive me, Star Wars analogy coming, but he's already Darth Vader. When you see the devil in Genesis chapter 3, he's already Darth Vader. And yet, the Bible talks about a time when he was Anakin. He was a good guy. He was a nice guy. When did all of that happen? When did the rebellion that we read about in Ezekiel and Isaiah take place? All of this angelic host and all that, when, when did that actually happen? Uh, there has to be time in there somewhere. And the Bible does describe a prehistory to our existence that took place before the events we see happening in Genesis 1 and verse 2. Well, it's really interesting because in Timothy and in Titus, Paul uses a phrase referring to how Jesus Christ's life was laid down for us. He says it was laid down from before time began. Mm -hmm. And the Greek will allow for that, literally, hmm. before time began. Uh, I think you've written on that or at least mm -hmm. talked about it before as well. So there is a prehistory. You, you made an interesting point, too. You said you don't have to be Hebrew scholars. Uh, or, your, or Greek mm -hmm. scholars, for the, that matter, with the New Testament. You don't have to be physicists. Right. You don't have to be a chemist, uh, a PhD chemist, to understand some of this. But if we're going to ask questions mm -hmm. that beg some scientific inquiry, mm -hmm. then we need to understand and make the effort to understand at least a little bit of science. Right. Um, to understand the age of the Earth, we, we've got to do a little bit of research to understand a little bit of what chemistry is all about. Some high school chemistry is probably enough to do it, but when we look at the age of the Earth, you're, you're looking at radiometric dating. And I'm not talking about carbon-14 dating. We're talking about multiple ways to date rocks and meteors. Rocks on the Earth, meteors on the earth and rocks brought back from the moon. Um, environments that are, have a different level of radioactive exposure, yet we're talking about the half-life of uh, uranium and how it breaks down into lead. And when you've got triangulating methods, uh, methods that are looking from multiple angles at multiple different things and coming up with the same kind of date, it begs the question, what about the reality of this? Is, is, how can you rig this? How can, a, how can a moon rock date back about four and a half billion years and um, a meteor that landed on the Earth date back about four and a half billion years and then subsequent types of dating date the Earth to about that same point in time? Yeah, I think I hope, hope our viewers will actually appreciate this is the position that we take is often with, with no friends. Uh, we have a ditch on one side, a ditch on the other. A lot of people will, will accuse those who believe like we do that the universe does have a history of some sort before Genesis 1-2, that Genesis 1-1, the beginning happened potentially some time ago, um, and that mankind, however, is 6,000 years old, that mankind does not go back past Adam and Eve. That creation week in Genesis 1 is a recreation week that did happen 6,000 years ago. There was no pre-Adam man, no pre-Eve man, or woman for that matter. Um, we don't make anybody happy. Uh, you know, we have a lot of scientists that get upset that we're not just fully embracing evolution. You have uh, people that say the earth is young and you're only saying these things because you're trying to make room for evolution. And let me just say, we don't care if we don't make anybody happy. That's not our job. Our job is to stick to the truth and to stick to this Bible, and that's what we're trying to do. Uh, we actually do have a question that has come up about these things. Uh, thank you, folks in the control room that passed it on. Someone has asked, so is God's day in creation, that is in the Bible, equal to a thousand years? So you have the creation week, and I'm assuming a person who asked this question on, on Facebook, I hope I'm getting the question right. You have creation week or recreation week, you have day one, day two, day three, day four. Were those thousand year days themselves? Was the God actually trying to... Uh, because I remember, believe it or not, when I was in junior high, I did think about these kind of things when I was in junior high, and I did try to make evolution fit Genesis and try to figure out a way that somehow each of these days were perhaps eons because that was just the kind of nerd I was. And uh, you guys have an answer for that? This, I think it's a good question that um, I asked. When was grass created the third day, I think? Um, somebody can check. But, uh, you know, grass would not survive a thousand years in night, and it wouldn't survive a thousand years in, in uh, bright unrelenting day. Hmm. Uh, so no, no, I don't think that uh, each day was a thousand years in the creation week. Um, uh, it's, it seems like they were probably days. And uh, now God did do some things, um, <clears throat> tilting the, uh, the axis of the earth. I think that was maybe day four. I'm not, I didn't freshen hmm. myself up on this uh, right before the, the, the program today. 
But uh, if the question was, the question was, was the creation we kind of a yeah, thousand so, years? So is day God's day years? in creation in the Bible equal to a thousand years? I think that's the question and, asking. And maybe they're asking because, it, you know, Scripture says that, you know, to God a day is like a thousand years and so forth. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, I don't think that the, that the, uh, what he created or recreated, you know, the, the grass and so forth would survive. You, you have to have an earth that's functional. You have to have day and night, and you have to have, you know, the sun and, and darkness and rain and so forth in the firmament. So I don't think things could survive for, if, if grass is created day three, and you didn't, you know, have the, the sun and moon and the, and the night and day until whatever day that was, and mm. I apologize. <laughs> I don't think that the grass would have survived that long. Dr. Mm. Neal? <clears throat> yeah, that, that principle that's used in the Scripture in a couple places, Peter's what's coming to my mind. Um, God likens it unto a thousand years. So a, 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 a thousand years for man is like, and that's what the Scripture says, is like unto a day for God. Mm. Um, it, it's not saying a thousand years was a day or a day is a right, thousand years. It's not saying years. every time you see a day in the Bible, it really stands right. for a thousand and, years. And so you, right. you said it. We, we understand the Scripture meaning, and in fact, you go back and you read Genesis, and you see the morning and the evening were the first day. It lays out the 24-hour day. Mm -hmm. That concept of a day being a thousand years, um, I think the easiest analogy is, let's look at someone at the end of their life. They've lived 80-some years. They're looking back and they say, wow, I remember being a teenager and it's just like yesterday. When you have a long period of time looking back, doesn't seem like that long ago. Um, my, I haven't lived that long yet, but you know, I've got teenagers now and I can remember holding them in my hand, with their little head in my hand, in their bottom at my elbow, oh, in, in one arm. And I've seen his teenagers. I, that's very hard yeah, to believe. I they're, couldn't do that anymore. Tall, break right. my arm. But when I when I think about that, it doesn't seem like that long ago mm. when we brought them home and they were so little and so tiny. And yeah, it was going on a couple decades ago mm. now. Right. When God's lived for eternity. Looking back a thousand years or a million years or even a billion years for him is like yesterday. Mm -hmm. it, it just seemed like it just happened mm -hmm. because of the context of time and the way time passes. Right. I think, and because the question was, was, was briefly, I don't know if this is the summary of the actual question, but if it's, if the person, if you out there, if you ask the question, if those days were symbolic of future periods of thousand years, that would be different. Uh, we do know, for instance, that the Apostle Paul himself points to the Sabbath as something symbolic of the, the rest of God, and we know a thousand years is coming. So there is a 6,000-year plan plus a thousand-year uh, rest. So if it were that, we'll talk about that on another program, but that's how I understood your question. Ho hopefully we got it in the neighborhood. One thing I want to comment on uh, with Mr. Suck, the same thing about a day. If a day were a thousand years of creation, or even an Eon. He describes it very explicitly, the evening and the morning. So out of a thousand years, would that be 500 years of darkness? And then 500 years of light? That doesn't make any sense. He actually speaks in very literal terms. By the way, I want to credit the control room for saying that. I want them to know I thought of it first. Just so you know, I was being nice to our host, but I, we, we got a mind mail going on. Uh, really, another thing about those days is if you look in Scripture, anytime it says the first, this is the first day, second day, when it uses ordinals in the Hebrew, it, universally throughout the rest of the Bible, it's talking about a 24-hour day. It's not talking about a, something symbolic of something, of something vast. Well, you had, uh, correct, and you've got the earth um, rotating around the sun. Uh, the earth is orbiting around the sun. Uh, the earth is... No, it's flat, so the sun is or well, rotating around right. the earth. <laughs> but no, in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and 4, uh, and, and it's probably worth saying again uh, to correct maybe some innocent misunderstandings out there, because I've, I've seen um, uh, kids' Bible class, um, you know, creation week uh, activity lessons that were just not, not right, and they've got the sun being created on day four or whatever. No, the, the sun and the moon and the stars were created by God billions of years ago, and in Genesis 1, verses 2 and 3 and 4, you have the earth rotating on its axis, it's going around the sun, but it's tohu and bohu, it's been messed up. It's been messed up. It's most likely been knocked off its axis, there's, there's a, a firmament around it, it's a real mess. And so what you have is God, you know, clearing, clearing things up, uh, you know, during those, those seven days. And you have him creating as well, he created Adam and Eve, and I do, before I forget, I made a little note uh, so that our audience uh, knows where, what we believe. Uh, it, it says in Genesis 3, verse 20, that Eve is the mother of all living. And right. I just want to be very, you know, very clear about that. 
Um, God created Adam and Eve, and Eve is the mother of all living, of all humans. Obviously, that's what the context God's talking right. about, humans. Um, were there dinosaurs before, and, and did the earth exist before? Yes, but you know, let's just be very clear. God created Adam and Eve about 6,000 years ago, and uh, Eve is the mother of all living. One other scripture I jotted down, just want to make sure I get this out there for everybody, mm -hmm. is uh, Colossians 1.16, which talks about that Jesus Christ, you know, he's the creator. God created right. all things uh, by and through Jesus Christ right. on heaven and on earth and so forth. So, so for our audience that, um, that is sincere and believes in the Bible, wants to believe in the Bible, wants to understand what the Bible teaches, there are some, some misunderstandings that, or some false narratives that I, I hope people can can uh, understand are just wrong. You know, we 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 Adam and Eve they're they're the first humans. That's just that's what the Bible says. Science doesn't contradict that. Um, God created everything through Christ. Christ Himself was not a created being. I know there's some religions that teach that. Um, when you look back at the prehistoric world, um, you know it was God through Christ creating those things. And that opens up a lot of interesting conversations too. But, right. but I don't want to necessarily get into all that. But, but just you know, that's what we teach, and that's what the Bible teaches. Yeah, I, I think take home one take home is science. There are some problems with some of the conclusions that science draws, but science doesn't have to contradict the Bible. In fact, a lot of science actually can support the Bible. We sometimes we pit the Bible against science, and I think that's problematic. Um, there, there is a lot of complementarity. Science can fill in some right. of the gaps, uh, but science isn't the be-all and end-all. We, right. we, it's got to come back through the lens of the book. Right. I, uh, I want to at least acknowledge uh, other questions out there. Like someone asked recently, when did dinosaurs arrive on the scene? Uh, we really ought to go ahead and wrap things up. We didn't even get to all the questions. Part of that is part probably two. My, well, part two. my bad management, but also <laughs> part of it is because there's a lot here. When you open up the science can, there's a bunch packed into that can, and honestly, stuff we'd like to talk about a whole lot. Uh, I will mention we do have an article. Uh, Mr. Gerald Weston wrote it, Did the Dinosaurs Kill God? The answer is no. Spoiler alert, they didn't. But feel free and go to our website, search for that one. It was actually a magazine just a couple of issues ago or so. It wasn't all that long ago. But go search, Did the Dinosaurs Kill God? They didn't. I think you summarized things really well. We do believe that the events from Genesis 1-2 onward, uh, the creation of Adam and Eve there in that week, and, and the recreation of the earth definitely happened 6,000 years ago. We don't make a lot of scientists happy when we say that, but that is what we believe. But there are, there's a lot of evidence that there was a history to creation before that, that God was, was putting things in place for quite some time before that, an indefinite time. We don't make young earth creationists happy when we say that, so we're happy to make everybody upset. Uh, as we wrap up, let me give both of you the opportunity to close by asking both of you, what are the, the, the takeaways you want the people at home to do? What, what's what you want? Because we've talked about a lot of things, and frankly, it's been a little bit of Tohu and Bohu has been a little bit chaotic, the topics, but what would you like them to take away from this particular session? What's on your mind? Um, I guess, you know, Second Peter 3, 6 or 3, 8 talks about, in that, in that area, talks about people willful, willfully forgetting that, you know, God created everything through Christ. They, they, they willful, willfully forget that. And what the Bible, one of the, the, the biggest promises, the biggest truths out there is that uh, God has a, a very real specific plan where he's working with creation, with people, and he wants to create a, a, a family, an everlasting, large, awesome, glorious, wonderful family that, that, that loves each other and, and operates according to his law and operates in harmony. And uh, Hebrews mentions that. Uh, Hebrews 2 talks about Jesus Christ, and he suffered, and now he's the worthy captain, and I'm just, you know, paraphrasing. So I think what I'd like to mention, and probably Dr. Scott will, I'm probably stealing some of what he's going to say, but is let's put our minds on the big picture. Let's not um, get, you know, argue um, about things that really we're missing the picture. Uh, Jesus Christ is the captain of our salvation. He should be our Lord. And what we need to be studying and applying in our lives is trying to live and act according to his example, according to the way he lived and act. So I hate to get all preachy, but there's things like the Sabbath and forgiveness and, and supporting the work of God and, and preaching the gospel of the coming kingdom of God. And that's where our mental energy should be. And that doesn't mean we want to be scientifically 
you know, just ignore science or be uneducated. But uh, that's what our focus should be. Let's not willfully forget that, that Jesus Christ created the heavens and the earth and the universe, and he's our Lord. He's got a big plan, and we want to be part of that family. And uh, that's, that's what we need to be studying and spending time on, not you know, arguing about the Grand Canyon and trying to sue the Grand Canyon, which I agree with you. I don't know how you sue the Grand Canyon. You know? <laughs> but anyways, that, that's, that's, that's what I say, the, the right. big picture. All right, I appreciate that. It was 2 Peter uh, 3 and verse 5. Well, I don't I was, know I it. Close. I looked it up. I looked it up. I didn't know it. Um, and uh, no, I, I really appreciate that. Have, having the large picture. We're not trying to discourage any young people out there, or for that matter, older people, in terms of pursuing science. By all means, feel free. You know, science is one. We're not trying to say, you know, don't spend waste any time on science, but do have your priorities straight. If you don't have your priorities straight, like Mr. Soselka is actually talking about, you get lost in the weeds. The devil wants to pull us into the weeds and get us yeah. and get us confused and lost and focused on all the wrong things. Uh, Dr. Winnell. Just sort of an echo from a different perspective. I Science is fun. I love science. It's fun. I mean, what we're talking about here is, is talking really about some subatomic particles. But subatomic particles aren't going to help me enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ said that essentially in Matthew 23, 23 to the Pharisees. He said, you tithe and you tithe on mint, these, these leaves, and anise and cumin, these tiny little seeds that you're pulling out. But you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These are interesting topics that we're talking about today. They're intriguing. They're important. But when it really comes down to the most important things, they can take us aside and, and push us into the weeds instead of holding fast to those trunk of the tree issues, which are going to help us overcome, which are going to help us develop the character God wants us to. And really, we can get buggy and, and get all upset about these issues that in the grand scheme of things don't matter so much. We'll know one day. When Christ returns and he gives us his mind fully, we'll know all the answers. But knowing whether man was created 10,000 years ago, or excuse me, uh, the earth was created 10,000 years ago, or four and a half billion years ago, or 20 billion years ago, doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. What matters is we're working to become more like God, and we're preparing for his kingdom on this earth to help change the world one day and bring his truth to the world. All right, well, thank you very much. I appreciate all of that. You know, we're not, we're not anti-science. We love it as part of our challenge of this particular program is we love it so much. Uh, the Bible does say in the book of Proverbs, it talks about how it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search out a matter. Uh, it's a wonderful pursuit, but it is a very human pursuit. Uh, it's become the religion of the day. Uh, but you know what? God already has a religion. Uh, you know, we just need our heads on straight. Thank you very much, both of you, Mr. Soselka and Dr. Winnell, for being here. And thank all of you. Uh, please do. We're recording this. You can see it on Facebook recorded later. You can also see it on, on YouTube recorded there as well. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next Thursday right here. Take care.